politics and above religion, a moral authority exists known globally as the ageless wisdom. It is the study of consciousness, the mystery of awareness, which cannot be measured, yet will not be denied. Stay tuned as we explore consciousness, the fundamental nature of reality. Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Benner. Hello, neighbors. This is the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. I'm your host, Michael Benner. An absolute pleasure to be with you again. We're here every Tuesday afternoon at 1 o'clock. And, well, although we do podcasts to all podcatchers and post on YouTube as well, for that matter, we really appreciate it when you join us live. I think there is a a group mind Tuesday afternoons that uh, whether you listen to the broadcast or the live stream on the internet at uh, kpfk.org, you're part of that group mind and we appreciate it. So anytime you can, please make it a point to join us live Tuesdays at one o'clock. Looking forward to the show today. We're going to talk about one of my favorite topics. I bet one of your favorite topics, we're going to talk about happiness and its relationship to peace and love and understanding. And at the same time, it's arcane and yet commonly used. Like, we all know what happiness is, right? Well, do we? Do we know what peace and love and understanding is? Well, these are words we throw around, and yet this is a show about consciousness and, and philosophy and psychology. And so we're going to wade into it. We're going to go a little deeper than your average conversation as we talk about these topics and try to get into the Christmas spirit a little bit more. Hopefully you've put all the commercial aspects of Christmas behind you and you're starting to enjoy the warm fuzzy that goes with this uh, holiday season or the the true nature of, of Christmas and and the solstice. You know, that's what this whole time is about. Hanukkah, Christmas, it's all about light. It's all about solstice. We're moving through the longest nights and shortest days towards spring. And uh, that's what the evergreen tree is all about. If you ever wondered what putting a Christmas tree in your living room had to do with the birth of Jesus, there you go. It's, it's a solstice holiday. So talking about happiness and love and and, and peace seems, this seems like a great time of year to be doing that. And I have a wonderful guest, a good friend of mine for many, many years. I bet you know him. And I'm going to introduce him to you in just a minute. I do want to remind you that we're in the final days of our holiday fun drive here at KPFK. And uh, this is your opportunity to either call the KPFK phone rooms at 818 985 5735. That's 818-985-KPFK. Do that right now, actually. Then you can settle in and uh, listen to the rest of the program and make a pledge, make your contribution. And, you know, if you listen to this show, uh, I'm one of those people that says, yeah, a contribution of $100 or $150 once a year is a wonderful thing, and there are some very wonderful, uh, valuable uh, perks and premiums and thank you gifts that go along with that. But my favorite is the sustainer circle. That's how I contribute to KPFK. I set it up months ago so that 
once a month, every month, I make a little contribution to KPFK, to the Pacifica Group and, and, and the mission here for peace and social justice and a progressive approach to democracy. And I don't even miss it, right? If I look at my online bank statement, I can find it, but it's not that much when you do it every month. You can make a $15 contribution or a $20 contribution. If times are tight for you, $10. If you're unemployed or a student, how about $5 a month? That's like pennies a day. And everybody can afford that way to be a voting member of KPFK, a part of our family and a, and a sustainer contributor to community radio powered by the people. You hear us say that. What does that mean, powered by the people? It means you. Your contributions allow us to be here without the editorial interference of big corporations. They don't get to kick in my door and tell me what I can say and what I can't say because you're contributing 15 or $20 a month. And again, you set it, you decide. When you go to the website, kpfk.org slash donate, and then you'll see in the banners, support KPFK, look for Sustainers Circle, and then you decide how much you want to contribute and just set it and forget it. It's tax deductible. We're approaching the end of the year, so you want to make those contributions now so that you can include them in your charitable deductions on your taxes for this calendar year, 2021. Okay, so either way, call the phone room now, 818-985-5735, or go to the website, kpfk.org slash donate and make your contribution. Look through the premium gifts if you'd like to. But uh, again, the less we have to fulfill or to mail you, even paying the postage, obviously, is an expense. You can maximize the amount that you give to Pacifica and KPFK by not requesting any premiums. They're here for you if you want them. Help yourself, but, you know... Not necessary, actually, to request a thank you gift. And in any event, we really appreciate it. So let's get to our guest today. And happy holidays, Merry Christmas. And, and we're just a few weeks past Hanukkah. But again, that's all part of the Festival of Lights. And uh, Islam has its holidays this time of year. There's Kwanzaa and, of course, New Year's itself. So we've got lots and lots of holidays to celebrate and so let's talk about happiness. Let's talk about joy. Let's talk about peace and love. With my guest, who has been with us so many times, I've lost track. I think, Steve, we've run out of fingers and toes here when it comes to counting how many times we've done radio together. But uh, it's been almost a year since we had you on the last time. So uh, welcome to KPFK. We're going to talk today about what I suspect is one of your favorite topics, Indeed. too. Right? Happiness, yeah. Uh, another holiday. Uh, two weeks from today is my 70th birthday. Oh! So I'm, I'm so happy about that. I'm pretty excited, <laughs> you know. I remember as a little kid hearing uh, Simon Garfunkel talking about um, sitting on the park bench, old friends sitting on the park bench, and how terribly strange to be 70 was the line. And that stuck in my mind all these years. Like, that's old. When I was a little kid, that seemed like old. But I'll tell you, I'm almost 70. I'm the happiest I've ever been. Steve Snyder, my guest on KPFK today. I was about 55 when my mother turned 70. 
And I remember thinking at the time, wow, 70, that's really old. She went on to live into her mid-90s, though, and never complained about it. She was happy right to the end. So that's, as my brother would say, that's a pretty big bite of the apple. You bet. You yeah. bet. I'm looking forward to doing that myself. Well, we're both healthy and happy, and it's a pleasure to have you here. You introduced me years and years ago to the idea of happiness expressing or manifesting itself in seven ways. And I think you talked about the seven streams of happiness. Yeah. So so. Just in thinking about happiness, like what, what brings it about? What allows me to feel it? What do I do when it, when it manifests? You know, and, and some, you know, basic concepts about happiness. It's like not a destination. It's not like I get to happy and I made it, I'm there. You know, it doesn't, doesn't work that way. It's, it's, uh, it's the journey. Happiness comes from moving toward getting what you want, not from getting it. Sometimes, frequently when you get it, you're disappointed, you know. But, but the, the pursuit, you know, the, the on the way to, that's what makes you happy. Happiness is uh, an experience that actually is sort of our default you know, I mean, like when you're a baby and you're born after a good pregnancy and you're not hungry and you're not thirsty and you're not cold, you know, or hot, you're happy. It's just you're, it's just a default. And so we are happy except when stuff gets in the way of our happiness. It's like a plant grows unless the soil's bad or the sun gets blocked off. So we're like that. We grow, we, we, and growth is the happiness, you know, um, as long as there's nothing in the way. But there are is one main thing that gets in the way, and that's the first of the seven streams of happiness, the foundation of it all, and that is feeling safe. Because happiness goes away when you're endangered. Happiness goes away when survival's at stake. It's like not important. Happiness, I think happiness is really important, but compared to survival, it pales in insignificance. So, all right, you've, let me interrupt, because you've already made two points, and I, I don't want to skate over the first one too quickly. And that's the idea that, and it reminds me of the peace movement where there was a journalist named Musti, I think his name was, went by the initials A.J. Musti, and he famously wrote, there is no way to peace, peace is the way. Right. And in reflecting on that, I thought, well, that's true for happiness and love, which are functions of a peaceful mind. True. They are not goals or destinations. You can't do anything to be happy. Happiness is the way you do things. That's right. In fact, just the words do happy, they make no sense. You know, nobody ever is do happy. It's a be thing. It's not, it's not a do thing. And and so it, it really is about the experience you have, the reward that you get for the movement toward what you want. Um, especially toward what you want the most. That, that brings the most joy, the most happiness. So these seven streams are not ways to be happy. They're expressions of happiness. They are. And, and uh, yet the first one of the seven is about a way to be happy. Ah. Uh, or maybe more significantly, a way to prevent yourself from being happy. Um, and the way you prevent yourself from being happy is to not feel safe, to feel endangered. Because, again, that goes out the window when survival is at stake. So whether it's real danger, and so the first thing about f being safe, feeling safe, is situational awareness. A am I safe? Is this place, 
Am I am I in a dark alley late at night? You know, or am I home in my easy chair? Uh, am I actually safe? Is there anything dangerous around me? And you know, prior to a year ago, that was a, pretty much a given ninety nine percent of the time. COVID changed a lot of stuff. All of a sudden, am I safe? Well, is there anybody too close to me? You know, closer than six feet to me? Is anybody not wearing a mask? You know, there's all these things that that have made this this COVID time feel even more unsafe for a lot of people. But generally speaking, if you've got that handled, you're indoors and you're, you're covered, am I safe? Almost always, yes. But the awareness of that is the first step to feeling safe. You know, Steve, it's funny the way you say that, allow ourselves to feel safe. And then there is a resistance to that, I think. A lot of people, well, I'll speak for myself in my younger days, I was afraid to allow myself to feel safe and had this crazy wackadoodle idea that feeling anxious, at the very least nervous, and probably moderately anxious or afraid, was my way of being careful. That if I held on to my fear or stress, that I would avoid danger. And if I allowed myself to feel safe, then I'd be putting myself in grave danger. And sometime, it's now been many years, but at some point it finally occurred to me, that's crazy. That's completely upside down, inside out, and backward. Yeah, there's, that's, a, that's a no win. And that's a no happiness place to live, too. When your internal world is, I need to hold on real tight so that my world doesn't fall apart. Um, I'm I'm on a survival place here, and happiness is like not significant. It just isn't important. The mind doesn't care about happiness if survival is even the slightest of an issue. So the only way you can really let the happiness emerge, you know, is is to actually feel safe, and that means letting go of stuff. You know, letting go of the the. The thought that something bad is going to happen right now. It doesn't mean not have that thought. It means letting go of the thought. This is so, so key because the other part of feeling safe is feeling safe with what's in, in your mind, what's inside of you. Um, and so, for example, negative thoughts and negative feelings make us feel unsafe. You know, like fear thoughts and, and anxiety feelings and, and regret, remorse, embarrassment, shame kind of feelings and worry kinds of thoughts. Those all make us feel unsafe. Like, like, like we got to get into get ready to do something mode, right? None of, the, none of those kinds of experiences, none of those memories or things that go on in our mind, whether the past or the future, allow us to go, huh. The only thing that allows us to go, huh, is to let the past go, let the futures go and move into mindfulness, to live here to live now, to be in this moment, for in this moment, there is no danger. There's, there's no embarrassment, shame, all that's way back there, and there's no worry, because all that's way over there, and all there is is now, here, and that's safe. And, and to basically reaffirm that, it, it, what happens almost naturally is you tend to change your breathing, and it goes from a <laughs> kind of breathing to a... <sighs> kind of breathing. And when you do that intentionally, it, it, it speeds it up even. But but just what happens is the physical tension leaves the body, the emotional anxiety leaves the, the gut, the confusion leaves the brain, and makes room for relaxation to come in, and calmness to come in, and clarity to come in. And then you can experience your thoughts in a, in a positive way. A bad thought, a negative thought can be a good thing. Worry is a good thing. You want to worry. If you didn't worry, you'd be blindsided by every bad thing that ever happened. You want to worry. What you don't want to do is react to the worry as if it's dangerous. 
tighten your muscles and hold your breath because that causes the stress that takes away the happiness. But if instead you respond to that worry thought of, oh, deep breath, boy, I'm glad I'm letting that one go. Oh, it feels so good to get it off my shoulders. Oh, it feels so good to let that fall away. And, and just that thought of, I had that, that worry thought, that's good, I, I'm alerted to the potential danger, but it's not really happening, so I don't need to hold on to that, and I can let go of a lot of the charge. The memory remains, oh, the charge diminishes. And in order to feel safe, it takes vigilance of observe, being mindful, of observing what's going on inside your mind. And when the negative stuff comes up, and you want it to, when the negative stuff comes up, you want to respond to it. Instead of reacting to it, you want to choose to respond to it by uh, releasing it and feeling good that you did that. I mean, good for me. I, you know, I, I took this negative thought and I, I transmuted it. I turned it into a positive experience of letting go. Every thought you think has the potential to make you happy, except when there's real danger. There's a lot there. You're reminding me of the Viktor Frankl phrase or quotation from his book, uh, what is it? Man's Search for Meaning. Yeah, Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl. He says, between stimulus and response, between what's done to us and what we do with it is a space. Yes. And in that space is our freedom. And when I hear you talking about don't react reflexively, but study the options that you have, the choices that you have, the, the different ways you could perceive and, and even more importantly respond, and then choose and initiate that response. That's very different than a knee-jerk reaction. It's just the opposite. It's a, it's a considered, conscious, aware behavior. And it takes work. It takes practice. It takes desire, you know, passion for wanting to do it. But the, the payoff's huge. I mean, really, consider. If you get it down and you're really paying attention to what's going on up there, and whenever the negative stuff comes up, you automatically go, oh, I felt good to let that go. And, and it makes you happy then everything that pops up, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, can make you happy. If there's no real danger, that's the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to grow, you know? If, if there's no real danger, if there's something stopping our growth process, if there's nothing blocking the sun from the plant or getting in the bad soil, it grows. It just, it just does. And, and so we're supposed to do that too, except survival circumvents everything. Survival just puts us down a totally different path. And whenever we're worried, survival is an issue in our brain. Whenever we're remembering that we were embarrassed or we were ashamed of something, if survival gets uh, uh, triggered, the whole amygdala, the whole part of the brain designed to protect us and, from, and allow us to survive. Fight or flight center. Fight, yeah, kicks in and, and we're not happy. Because yeah. happy doesn't matter when you're stressed. Happy doesn't matter when you're endangered. So monitoring your external world to make sure you're feeling safe with what's real, and then mix, and then also examining your internal world and make sure that you feel safe with all the thoughts that you have. And the way the brain knows it's safe is it takes a deep breath. If it's not safe, it holds a breath, getting ready for fight or flight. When it takes a deep breath, it realizes I must be safe because <sighs> I wouldn't have done that if I wasn't actually safe. So, so a deep breath is a trigger for feeling safe. And every time you release a negative thought or embrace a positive thought, you can take that... Ah, that breath and feel safe. Breathing is really the core of almost all self-improvement. I've heard over and over and over again in my life from so many meditation teachers or related. It could be a, a teacher of autogenics or self-hypnosis or, or, or yoga. I guess it really goes back to Patanjali's yoga sutras. 
this idea that there is no happiness without a peaceful mind. And that one allegory I hear being used again and again is the glass lake. That when the mind is disturbed, either emotionally, mentally, or just physical tension, like ripples on the water, much less waves, <laughs> much less the tsunami that comes <laughs> right. along every once in a while. But just little wind ripples on the water will prevent us from seeing into the water and also prevent us from seeing what's reflected on the surface of the water. But when that water is calm, like a glass lake, you can see into the water, you get a clarity that allows you to understand even if the conditions that are upsetting you remain the same, you now have clarity and insight. And you also see what's reflected on the surface, which seems to me sort of a spiritual aspect to all of this, the overshadowing, the bigger picture, you know, the sky and the clouds. I'm looking down into the water, but I, I see the sky and the clouds reflected on the surface, but only when it's calm. Right. So... That's always stuck with me. And again, it's been reinforced by hearing teachers of meditation talk about it over and over again. Does that fit for you, the idea that safety is somewhat like a body of water that's perfectly calm and quiet? Yeah, that's ideal safety. You know, there's nothing disturbing. Uh, it's placid, it's calm, it's, it's relaxed, you know, it's safe. That's definitely what it's all about. That's a great metaphor of, of feeling safe is when the mind is quiet. And it's not jumping into the past with regret and remorse. And it's not jumping into the future with worry and anxiety. And it's staying with, ah, I love the smell of new mown grass, you know, or something like that. It's like in the moment, you know, that's, that's, yeah, that's what safety is all about. And from there comes all kinds of ways you can, streams you can go down for more happiness. But without that, if you're not feeling safe, then your brain's going to be thinking about survival, not happiness. I have to take a break here. Why don't you outline the six streams of happiness that we've yet to touch on. The first one being this whole idea of feeling safe. Right. And again, these are not ways to be happy because we're saying happiness is the way. Happiness, well, I think it was Abe Lincoln that said happiness is a choice that you make. Right. It's an approach to living. It's a lifestyle. It's an attitude. Um, it's optimism. It's It's... The joy that you mentioned that little kids have. They yeah. don't. When John Lennon was a little kid, his teacher said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, happy. And she said, you don't understand the question. And he said, you don't understand life. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Touch on those six and then sure. we'll come back from the break and detail <clears throat> so them. Once you're feeling safe, then six different ways you can express your happiness. Um, one of the wonderful ones is love and kindness. You know, being in love, being lovable, being loving, um, having that experience with other people of, of sharing a love. That's an amazing way of bringing happiness and joy. But it's, it's important to understand, and many don't, that the love you're feeling with another person, it's not them loving you. It's your love for yourself resonating in harmony to that. Because you can only feel your own emotions. You can't feel other people's emotions. So when somebody loves you, what happens is the love you have for yourself is resonating. Now, therein lies the rubs often because, you see, let's say on, on a 1 to 10, you love yourself a 7. 
the other person out there is loving you a nine, you know, but you can only feel seven because that's all you got to, to resonate inside of you. And so, you, you know, they feel like they're giving you so much and they're not getting, they're not re- like you're not receiving everything they're giving you because you really can't. Oh, there's so much here. I, w- I, w- I want to come back to that, but skip through these. That's number two. What's number three? Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, love and kindness is number two. Um, the next one is an easy one, gratitude and appreciation. Um, followed by a, a difficult one, a very difficult one called optimism and positive thinking. You got to fight to be a master. Oh, there's the optimism. Yeah. Okay. Then there's, for those fortunate enough to have discovered one, this is like passionately pursuing your purpose. It's like finding your meaning in life, your specific, what you're meant to do kind of thing, and doing that. Just doing that is, whether you're successful at it or not, doing that is, is it brings such joy and happiness to know you're doing what you're supposed to be meant to do. If you're not one of those that discovers that in their life, the next one is for you. It's growth, success, and fulfillment. It's find something else and be great at that. You know, find something to be masterful at, something to, that you feel like you're really, really good at, and that brings so much joy and have the competence, the excitement, the, the expression of my talent, you know, that sort of thing leads to growth and success and fulfillment, and that's a, a wonderful life path toward happiness. And then finally, the last one is sort of, it's just optimum health, you know, and, and wellness. It's like stay healthy and well. You can be happy even if you're sick, but it's much harder and it's much easier to be happy uh, when when your body is doing everything it's supposed to be doing and dealing that with oxygen right and dealing with everything right. It, it, it's easier to be happy when you're not hurting. It's easier to be happy when you're well. So, so those are the seven. So it's feeling safe, love and kindness. Uh, gratitude and appreciation, optimism and positive thinking, passionately pursuing your purpose, finding uh, purpose in growth, success, and fulfillment, and optimal health and wellness. Seven streams of happiness. Uh, it could be 13 or 14 streams, but <laughs> I, I get how those are, are, are related. Uh, let's take a short break, and we'll come back. And uh, I really want to talk about that idea of owning your emotional feelings. Uh, my guest is Steve Snyder. Steve is a personal development trainer. I guess that's clear. He's, for more than 20 years, worked primarily with CEOs through a company called Vistage, formerly Tech, the executive committee. And he flies all around the world speaking to groups of CEOs and, I guess, other C-level uh, Mostly CEOs. C-suite officers. And these are the top executives of some pretty good-sized corporations. We're talking about success and fulfillment, meaning and purpose, and the related concepts of peace and love, our longing for justice, our humor, our sense of, of, of beauty and, and aesthetics as imperatives, meaning and purpose level. Right, that kind of stuff. And we'll be back after this short break. You're listening to 90.7 FM in Southern California and streaming for the world at kpfk.org. And we're back with our guest, Steve Snyder, who's with us today as a personal and, for that matter, transpersonal development trainer. And uh, Steve works mostly with corporations, but uh, he's a friend of mine. We've done workshops and seminars together and I always enjoy having Steve on the show, and we're talking about one of his favorite topics, and uh, gosh, maybe everybody's. That's the whole idea of of being happy, and along with that, I guess, is fulfillment, which goes beyond success. How many successful people do you know, seemingly successful, who, um, you know, are just not all that happy? They got a hole in their heart. They're grumpy. They're... uh, 
frustrated. They're always on edge. They're defensive and, uh, and, and maybe even aggressive and hostile. And finding happiness in the world seems to be the big mistake. But to identify happiness within yourself as a natural state, I think that's what we're talking about. We said at the top of the show there is no way to happiness, that happiness is the way. You know, and that's where so many successful people are unhappy because they thought that that success would bring them happiness, but it doesn't. You know, success does not bring happiness. However, on the other side of the coin, happiness often leads to success. Not, no guarantees, but it makes it more likely. It's, it it skids, makes the wheels slipperier, you know, it's easier. This is a great place to pick up where we left off in the first segment here. This idea that I need someone to make me feel happy because these people are making me feel unhappy or uh, I'm lonely and empty. Gosh, if only I could find someone else who was lonely and empty, then we could fill each other (laughs) somehow (laughs) out of our emptiness. None of that really works if you look at it carefully. Let's get the pony in front of the cart. Let's get this turned around. What are emotional feelings? So the feeling of love, which manifests itself in so many different ways, uh, you know, it's a peaceful feeling, it's a joyful feeling, it's a uh, safe feeling, it's a relaxed, there's so many, so many different aspects of feeling in love, but it's what you're feeling, it's, it's your emotional response to whatever you're experiencing. And when somebody else loves you, they, they're having that kind of feeling inside of them, but that doesn't go inside of you. Their, their emotions do not like fly through the air and enter your heart. You know What's happening is you're connecting with them, you're bonding with them, and so you're resonating in harmony to their feeling that. It's like you play a middle C on a piano over here and the middle C over here resonates. You know, that's just they're on the same harmony, same frequency, if you will. So it's really, really important to understand how much self-love plays in this thing because if your self-love is low, then you won't have much to give or, or be willing to receive much. If your self-love is high, then you have a lot to give and really wide open to receive a lot. So it's all about my favorite line I ever wrote, all love flows through your own love for you. So the whole key to love is to is self-love, to open up to all other kinds of love. And then the other part of that, uh, number two, is the expression of that love in the form of kindness. And just kindness for whatever reason, because you're overflowing with love, you just feel like being kind. And and. You don't have to get credit for it. You don't have to. You can do it anonymously. A smile at the grocery checkout lady is a big deal sometimes. A little bigger tip than your, you know, because you got some really good service. I mean, there's lots of ways to be kind and nice. Just compliments do not hurt, nor do they take away anything from you. They make you feel a little better about yourself when you compliment someone else, and you made their day. So there's so many ways to be kind. And I always love Dalai Lama said, uh, um, whenever possible, be kind, and it's always possible. (laughs) So I love that. It's amazing the impact the power of the impact that we have on other people when we're simply kind, when we say nice. And you don't have to exaggerate. No. In my practice, I often would remind people of their uniqueness. And I would make it a point to make eye contact with them, use their first name and say, you know you're incomparable. There's no one quite like you. True. And... I mean, that didn't hurt. That that was no effort. It's eminently true. 
I saw a greeting card once that said, congratulations, you're unique. And you open it up and it says, just like everybody else. <laughs> That's a wonderful, con- it's not a contradiction, actually. It's just a wonderful way. It's an irony, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So each of us is unique. We've all got something special to offer. And while we may feel, and I guess everyone does at times, feel quite insignificant, I would argue that not only are we each significant, but essential. Absolutely. That our existence is imperative to the universe being whole. And that also allows us to escape the judgment of, am I inferior to this person, or am I superior to that despicable, loathsome character over there? How about just... I'm neither better nor worse. I'm just one of a kind. Right. Absolutely unique. And I don't know why that doesn't occur to more of us more often, just to celebrate our individuality. Most people spend much more of their time trying to be part of something else rather than to be a part of anything else. So, you know, they need to join. They need to feel validated by other people's opinions. But, you know, when you really sit down and recognize who, who you are, nobody's ever experienced the things you've experienced. You know, nobody's ever felt the feelings you've felt, thought the thoughts you've thought. Nobody's anything like you except everybody's got that same exact condition. So it's, it is amazing. It's unique. And there's lots of ways of expressing that. Uh, living that life, um, some of which are easy to do and some of which are really difficult to do. The easiest form of happiness, instantaneous happiness, is gratitude and appreciation. At any moment, you could just stop what you're doing and appreciate something. At any moment, you can just be grateful for the, the wonderful friends you have or the wonderful gifts you've been you're given. You're sliding into number three here, right? No, this is number... Oh, yeah, number three, right. Yeah. yeah. Number three, yeah, absolutely. Um, which, is, which is gratitude and appreciation. Right. Yeah. So number three is easy. Just say your prayers, count your blessings, just find things to be grateful for, just step out of the world for a moment and be grateful for it. Accelerate the power of your positive experiences by repeating them. This is one of my favorites. I see a beautiful tree when I'm walking down the road. There's a lot of beautiful trees down the road where I live. And, and I stop and I appreciate that tree and then I go, Oh, that deserves a rewind, you know. And I, I go back and I look at that tree. I go, oh, that's a beautiful tree. And so I do it twice. I double, the, I double my pleasure, you know. Um, I mean, in your mind's eye. In my just, mind's eye, yeah. yeah. I mean, I do that frequently when when I see something that's particularly beautiful. I'll, I'll take a second look, you know, and I'll I'll experience the joy of it a second time. Um, when I'm proud of myself for something, I'll pat myself on both shoulders, you know. It's like I'll, I'll, I take take some time uh, in terms of of uh, gratitude and appreciation to really. Lay it on, you know, the more grateful and the more you can appreciate, the more that happiness that brings. So if you ever need an instant booster shot of happiness, just switch your mind out of wherever it was into gratitude and appreciation. I had a Buddhist teacher once teach the concept of compassion with that very technique of gratitude. In other words, if you're in pain, you're suffering or Suffering is often overstated. You're just discontent. You're not happy. You're feeling grumpy. You're at odds with life or whatever. And she said, just remind yourself how many millions of people in this very moment are suffering much worse than what you're going through. Uh, The the agonies that, that people suffer, in most cases, as a consequence of their own choices. Attachments. Yeah. Camus says life is the sum of the choices we make. Yeah. I think there's a lot to that. But 
that allows us to be grateful for, imagine being grateful for your suffering, grateful that it's not worse. Right. And grateful that it's getting better and grateful that I'm able to tolerate it and grateful that, um, in fact, maybe it's just an opportunity to find some new path to take. I mean, yeah, you can find... You can find silver linings in every single cloud. You know, uh, there are clouds, and you don't want to deny there are clouds. You know, you don't want to deny having negative thoughts. That's one of the things that causes you to really hurt yourself is to push back your negative thoughts. All self-destructive behavior comes from holding on to negative thoughts. So you want to have those negative thoughts, but, but you can release them and then move into being grateful, you know, move into being appreciative of whatever it is that you, you, your eye sits on, your ear hears, your nose smells, your, your gut feels. It's funny, a lot of people will say, well, wait a minute, you guys are just playing mind games. This is just psychology. You're tricking yourself. You're fooling yourself. But mind is everything. I mean, mind game, yeah, why not? It is, if we approach the mind from a, playful place well yeah and like dave davies said if you're fooling yourself then who's fooling who you know it's both are you you know it's still you yes my conscious mind knows that i'm pretending to be happy to make me happy but it works you know sometimes you got to pretend before you tend you know so so it works so i i imagine something wonderful happening in the future i imagine a goal fulfilled uh, an achievement achieved and and it makes me happy because my mind thinks it's actually happened well it hasn't happened but when i wake up i'm more motivated to go make it happen because it, it felt so good you know so be grateful for what you have be appreciative of what you experience and even put some joy into what you believe you could create in your life and and, and the, the joy, appreciation, the happiness comes from the gratitude and appreciation. All right. Then number four. That's much harder. And that is to create uh, the experience of being an optimist. It is not easy to be an optimist. It's so much easier to be a pessimist, especially in, in the world full of so much negative stuff flying around. But anytime, it's easier to be a pessimist because, you see, negative thoughts are much more powerful than positive thoughts. Negative thoughts are about survival, and positive thoughts are just about personal growth. That, you, you know, that, that's really true. We have a, a whole section of the brain dedicated to fear. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, survival, you know, if you if you didn't have that, you, you wouldn't notice those wild animals that were approaching. You wouldn't notice that you're taking yourself into a bad neighborhood. You wouldn't notice a lot of things that are actually dangerous. So because we have that thing on, on steady alert, you know, but but see, for some people, it's the front of their brain. It's the it's the it's what's going on more than anything else. And for other people, it's like in the back of their minds, metaphorically speaking. It is in the back of the brain, but metaphorically speaking, uh, it's in the back of your mind, and, and it'll it's like a guard dog. It'll come out if there's anything dangerous. But if, otherwise, it's just sort of laying there and not doing it. That's where you want to be. You don't want that thing on high alert all the time. You you want the amygdala on like low low awareness you know just if there's anything real danger i'll pop in but i want to i want to feel safe basically so optimism takes doing that it takes calming the the whole brain chatter thing uh that's all about you know watch out watch out, watch out. it's calming that all down and 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 also being on alert for negative thoughts and negative feelings and negative visions and negative sounds that come in that you instantly are transforming them you're releasing them you're letting them go you're turning them into something positive in your mind because because you're you're bombarded with negativity so to be an optimist you have to be able to transmute that and be positive about things bad thoughts have to feel good good thoughts have to feel good bad experiences are about about lessons that we can learn or uh, opportunities that we can take it really the thing is 
if you're going to be an optimist, you're going to be wrong a bunch of times. You know, you're going to you're going to set your sights too high. You're going to you're going to expect better things that actually happen. You're going to be wrong a lot if you're an optimist. You want to guarantee being right just to be a pessimist because pessimists are always right. It'll never work. It never does. You know, all I'm going to fail. Oh, yeah, you will. You know, you can always you can always fail. It's easy to create failure. Creating success is not so easy. Creating success isn't all dependent upon you. I mean, there's outside factors that come into play. You know, there's competition and there's the economy. There's all, all kinds of stuff. So being, being a success, you can do your best and still not get there. But failure, you can guarantee failure. It's a, a strange narcissistic self-satisfaction that pessimists get from reminding you that they told you this would all fall apart. See, I knew this wouldn't work, and you're a fool for believing that it did, and I'm superior to you because I'm not only negative, but I'm nasty about it, and I'm going to get a leg up on you and be more powerful than you by always rooting for failure. And the, <laughs> the world is full of these people. It takes no skill, no insight. There's nothing clever about being the first to say what cannot be done and what will never happen. Uh, this need to be right, I think. It's pathological. Hit, yeah, yeah, I think you've hit on something. You know, so, so much uh, of their life is all about that end game of being. It's like the difference between optimists and pessimists. Pessimists have a terrible time on the way to finding that they're right. And optimists have a wonderful time to find out if they're right. You know, So if you don't need to be right, you might well choose optimism. But it, it's a constant vigilance. It's a constant being aware of all the negative stuff that comes in and transmuting it and transforming it and turning and seeing silver linings and everything and, and ho- keeping yourself from being a, a apologist to Haley Mill, a poly kind of optimist, you know, where you have blinders on. So it's it's work. It really is. I think I think I spend some time, a significant amount of time every day doing the things I need to do to stay an optimist. When I watch the news, there's a lot of transmuting I got to do. You know, when I'm when I'm seeing what's going on in the world, a lot of transmuting. But but I have a positive attitude. I believe we're going to make it, and I think we're going to find a way. And I just. You know, I'm not a I'm not a Pollyanna optimist, but I am an optimist because it's the only thing that feels good. It's the only thing that makes me happy. I think that's an important distinction when we talk about gut feelings. That gut feelings have a polarity. That instinct is, oh no, run in any direction, just get out of here. Yeah. It's about avoiding what you don't want. But the positive end of that bar magnet is intuition. That's the old boy. Now we're goal oriented. You know, like Stephen Covey, begin with the end in mind. Avoiding what you don't want, running away, and being negative is not a goal. It's not going to take you anyplace. If you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there, Joan Sherrison. Yeah, Lewis Carroll, actually. Yeah, that's right. You're right. And so I think even though we use those words interchangeably, instinct and intuition. Oh, they're different. They're very different. They're opposites. Yeah. One's heart and the other's sort of like solar plexus or lower kind of thing. You know, they just feel, you feel them in different places, I think. But yeah, they're both, they're both gut, quote unquote, instincts. And often I think we're in the middle, like the magnetic field between the poles where we feel a little, oh no, and a little, oh boy. Yeah, yeah. You know? Stage fright. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're aware of what to avoid, and, but you still have a sense of what you want to move yeah. toward. Yeah, indeed. And what they have in common is they're non-logical. Uh, deductive thinking is not going to uh, replace this inner wisdom, this, the, well, in the case of intuition, the still small voice. In the case of instinct, it's often a kick in the pants. Right. 
Five. Uh, number five is if you're fortunate enough uh, to passionately pursue your purpose. If you actually feel like you have discovered that your you know your purpose is to find your meaning and your meaning is this you know I'm, I'm meant to work with children or I'm meant to uh, you know save the rainforest or I'm you know I, you find the thing that it feels like you were put on the planet to do you, you feel so grateful for that so it feels so right it feels so perfect for you just finding that purpose and 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 doing something in that area of the universe that's happy i mean if you're so fortunate as to discover that why i'm here on the planet and i'm doing it just all by itself that's a happy experience but if you're not so fortunate and to discover that meaning that the one thing that's right for you to do, you can still be happy by pursuing something else. It doesn't have to be your purpose, just something that you can grow and feel successful and become fulfilled within, something that you can get better at, something you can enjoy doing, something that you can find uh, some things about it, if not the whole thing, some things about it that, that really turn you on, that really make you excited. Um, I'd love to use my wife as an example. You know, she she was... Um, the CEO and co-owner of the nation's largest licensed manufacturer of aircraft parts. Aircraft parts was not her passion. She didn't, she didn't love aircraft parts, you know. But what she did discover was what she did love was taking groups of people and helping them work together better uh, about creating a continual improvement kind of energy around the group. She loved doing that kind of stuff. So within the context of being a engineering company's owner, she found a niche that, that she could grow, feel successful, and become fulfilled with. So if you're fortunate enough to find your passion in life, your purpose in life, pursue that. But if you're not, pursue anything with joy and happiness and love, and you'll get a great deal out of it. You'll you'll move toward becoming fulfilled in your life, even if you haven't found your actual purpose. A question that I often ask, and I get a variety of answers to this. So let me ask you: Do you distinguish a difference between meaning and purpose? Yeah, um, I think purpose is more of a universal. Um, to grow, to improve, to get better, to become the best we can be, to, to evolve. That's what purpose is about. Meaning is in what direction, at what speed, and do you do that? You know, where, where do you do it? How do you do that? How, what's your individual expression of, of now that you know your purpose, uh, meaningfully pursuing it? So purpose is more universal and objective, and meaning is more personal and subjective. And subjective, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Okay, we got two more. We got six and seven. Let's take a short break. Um, okay. And we'll come back and do six and seven, right? I think we did just six. I think we just have seven left. Want to make I'm talking sure. about two just now. Oh, I see. Okay. We'll, we'll get all the bases covered here. Stephen Snyder, my guest, and we'll figure out where we are in that countdown and uh, continue right after this short break. You're listening to 90.7 FM, KPFK in Los Angeles. KPFK FM on your very own radio from Southern California to the world via kpfk.org. Thank you for being with us today. One of my favorite topics, we're talking about happiness. My guest is Stephen Snyder, and uh, we've gone through six. We're really down to the last one. Yeah, um, starting with the feeling safe. Uh, that's the core one, feeling safe in your external and internal worlds. And then love and kindness, and gratitude and appreciation. Optimism and positive thinking, passionately pursuing your purpose, and if you don't have one, grow success and fulfillment in a different area of your life. 
And so the last one, number seven. The last one really is a, a sort of an outlier in a way. It's, it's optimum health and wellness. I mean, you don't need optimum health and wellness to be happy. But if you have optimum health and wellness, that's a damn good reason to be happy. You know, that just that alone is, a, is something really to celebrate. So any one of those, every one of those paths, you know, you need the first one. You need to feel safe to, to let any of the others open up for you. But any of them that you approach are, are bringing you happiness. The easy one is uh, gratitude and appreciation. I think the hardest one is optimism and positive thinking. But any of them can be done with passionately pursuing a purpose. You know, we can gloss over seven, but... When it comes to happiness in old age, I think that becomes increasingly... It's a factor. Uh, you know. And I, I'm so grateful all my life that I drink water. Lots and lots and lots of water and almost nothing but water. Um, and it's, it's really had a lot to do with my immune system bouncing back and, and being able to... And it's been, it's, you know, I've got some health issues. I said I'm almost 70, but, but I'm pretty grateful overall for my health and well-being. But the thing is, it's the one area we all know exactly what we, we should do. I mean, we, we've been bombarded with information about what you need to do to eat right and to exercise right and, to, you know, and to take care of yourself in the, in the best possible way. Everybody knows intellectually how to do that. Just so few do. I mean, the vast majority of people are not eating right. They're not exercising right. They're not sleeping right, you know. Um, so it's one of those areas where even though we know what to do, it takes a lot to get somebody to do it. Oftentimes it takes a real scare uh, or, you know, like a near-death experience or something. Sometimes it takes a, a, a divorce or a abandonment. Sometimes it takes something really heavy to shake things up to break us out of those addictions to the easy way in terms of taking, not, sort of not taking care of our bodies. So in summation, Stephen, if we look at happiness— and we start with this idea that we're not going to find happiness, happy events, happy conditions, some situation, some relationship in the world, uh, a, a lot of money, a big car, uh, a, a house, uh, a trophy partner. These things don't make us happy. They don't. It's an internal condition. Right. Happiness really comes from what are you experiencing inside your own mind. You know, it's like if you if your experiences with your past are pleasant and positive and op optimistic memories, great. That'll bring you happy. If your experience with your future, rather than is worry, is like thinking of uh, rehearsing great performance, rehearsing great expectations, you know, imagining success, imagining fulfillment in your life. If your thoughts about those things are upbeat and happy, that'll lead you to happiness. But the most important thing is... Are you living here and now? Because it's happy here and now. It's, it, you know, nothing bad's happening right this instant. You know, I'm in a safe place. Um, I have a lot to be grateful for. I'm feeling optimistic about my future. Uh, I, I just, you know, I've, I've got something going in my life that I feel proud of. I'm in pretty good health. You know, right now, right here, when I explore what's real, what, the only thing that is real, which is the now, I'm, I'm happy. And almost everybody will find that there's lots to be happy about if that's the place they live in the here and now, because they are not in danger and because they are uh, able to create all these 
pathways, you know, through optimism, through gratitude, through feeling good, liking your positive thoughts, embracing them, and letting go of your negative thoughts and releasing them. Every moment is an opportunity for more happiness. If it's a big deal to you, if it's something you want, you can you can manifest it. It gets easier in some ways as you create habits around it, but it gets diff- more difficult in other ways because the universe throws stuff at us that we're not ready for and hard stuff and the world gets real negative all of a sudden. There's some challenges to optimism. There's some challenges to happiness, but and, and I don't know that it's it's something you have 24-7. But, you know, we do have the option of almost any time creating short-term happiness, pleasure or fun, you know, creating the short-term happiness. The long-term happiness, is, which really is more about meaning, like we were talking about, finding fulfilling, uh, uh, finding your meaning in life or, or having really growthful, wonderful relationships, you know. Th- those are the big things that create the long-term happiness, uh, experiences and relationships. But in any given moment, we can choose to be grateful. In any given moment, we can choose to uh, feel joy and pleasure at a lot of things in the world. So make sure you get enough of those. You know, infuse yourself with a whole bunch of those short-term, feels-good happiness, like that positive thought or releasing that negative thought. But also keep an eye on the, the big picture. It's not impossibly happy by yourself. It's a whole easier with surrounded by the ones you love, you know, relationships and Go do things, you know, go, don't be a couch potato. Do, go do things, experiences, uh, bring all kinds of joy and happiness and great memories as well. Stephen Snyder, my guest today. Stephen, you have a website where people, I know you don't do personal development work anymore, you're retired. But. Uh, pretty much retired. I, I actually had one client last year <laughs> I did some phone work with, but an old friend. You still do businesses, though. But I still do regularly um, Vistage groups. Um, about uh, three or four a month these days, you know, maybe a quarter of my time, five days a month, something like that. I still want to keep my hand, and I still love doing it. They still want me, you know. So, I'm, I, so I, I don't say yes to most of them, but I say yes to some of them. I've got a few weeks off, and I've got uh, three talks in, no, five talks in in D- Denver in January. So um, I do I do a few. And what's um, your website? My website is stephensnyderseminars.com. That's Stephen with a V and Snyder with a Y, seminars.com. And there's a whole bunch of cool video clips from my seminars. That, that looks pretty good. It'll give you a real sense of uh, what I look like and how I, the energy I have when I'm in front of an audience. I love being up in front oh, of an audience. Oh, you have energy. I didn't <laughs> I do. notice. I do. It's <laughs> <laughs> my friend Stephen Snyder, our guest today on KPFK. Uh, again, uh, hopefully you're in the Christmas spirit, the spirit of giving, and uh, the spirit of supporting what supports you. The Pacifica Mission, a great radio station dedicated to progressive democracy, to peace, to social justice, and it deserves your support. You know, every hour, a commercial radio station, or TV for that matter, will feed you 16 minutes of dunning commercials not really in your interest for products and services it's unlikely you need or really would ever use. And um, that's, again, 16 minutes out of every hour. So we might take five minutes during a fun drive to say, you know, this is community radio. This is radio that's powered by the people. And that means you. And we're not talking about thousands and thousands of dollars, which is what <laughs> a commercial costs on radio or TV. We're talking about 10 bucks a month or $15 a month. If you're gainfully employed, maybe $20 a month. And 
set it and forget it. You got a nice tax deduction. You know, the end of the year is coming up and that's a nice write-off. Talk to your tax person about that. We're a 501c3, a, a, a legal charity, and the uh, IRS has certified and approved that for many, many years. And we've been on the airwaves since 1959. Pacifica really invented the idea of listener-sponsored radio. Do whatever you can. You know, a single donation of $25 once a year, imagine, 25 bucks once a year, makes you a member of the KPFK family. It gives you a vote. You can vote on a referendum. You can vote for local station board members. You have a say. You're a part of this community. But if you could afford $10 a month, now think about it. I've had bank accounts where the fees were more than $10 a month. A couple of cappuccinos at Starbucks would run you $10. You couldn't have lunch at a fast food, junk food restaurant for that. But you could make a difference at KPFK, $10 a month, $120 a year, and it's the easiest thing in the world to do. So help us round out our successful holiday fun drive finish up the year here, 2021, with a contribution, a pledge, a donation, by calling right now, 818-985-KPFK. That's 818-985-5735. Or, I think, more simply, more directly, gives you a lot more control. Just go to the website, kpfk.org, slash donate. And if you look for Sustainer Circle, you'll be able to set up any amount, $5, $10, $20, dollars a month, and have it drawn out of one of your accounts, and you'll have your bank record there to, to prove it, and you won't even miss it. And every time you hear someone like me on this radio station making an appeal, you can sit there with a little smile on your face, content in the understanding that you're already part of the family, you're already doing your thing, your your kindness, <laughs> your, your contribution to supporting really what supports you. Free speech, progressive, democratic radio powered by the people. Thanks so much for being with us today. Join us next week and every Tuesday at one in the afternoon for the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Remember, we're a podcast and you'll find us on the homepage theagelesswisdom.com the T-H-E is part of it theagelesswisdom.com and as always be gentle love life and take care of each other from Los Angeles this is Michael Benner on KPFK 89.1